This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness, Guernsey's new state-of-the-art gym, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. Head to upgrade.fitness to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into island sports brought to you in association with Upgrade Fitness. Coming up on this week's show, we'll hear from Guernsey cycling star Sam Culverwell, fresh from an appearance at a world championship over the weekend and buoyed by a new contract with a continental team. I really want that step up next year. I've had a f- I've had my fair share of interrupted years with either a team folding or a couple of COVID years and maybe I've had... Um, a year where I didn't have that many opportunities to ride for myself, whereas next year I want to be able to see take those opportunities and maybe most of them. And for me, next year is the year I, I really want to step up to pro quantity level or higher and, and make it, as it were. I really want to take that next step and get into those bigger races and make more of a career out of it. A full interview with Sam to come. We'll also touch on some of the standout stories from the weekend and have a quick look ahead at what's going to be coming up over the next few days. Um, I'm Tony Karen with me uh, this week. It's Jamie Ingrill. Hi, Tony. Jamie running the show in Gareth's absence. <laughs> Got it all under control? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah, let's start with a quick look back at what happened over the weekend and over the last few days. We spoke uh, about basketball last week, of course. Um, Liz Taylor-Kerr was our guest. Um, she is coaching um, the new women's team in the women's division this season, the uh, the domestic basketball season, um, getting underway in the last seven days, obviously, hoping to pick up the momentum that was built up during that Island Games week. And um, yeah, a pretty good start for Liz and her team, Jamie. A very promising start indeed, because they beat uh, champions Ravenscroft in their very first outing. Um, admittedly, Ravenscroft were not at full strength, and yeah, I'm sure they can look forward to some good battles in the future. It's also just nice to get an idea of a new team, sort of what they're about, and you've got the experienced likes of Liz, who actually was not meant to be playing due to health reasons but had to step on court (laughs) and actually ends up scoring a good portion of our side's points but besides beyond that you've got an interesting mix of players I think half of the team could actually play island level and netball as well you've got uh, Zola Saunders and Ella Staples who have come in from netball recently after the island games Um, then you've got the likes of Rona Tomlin who's yeah, I mean, she's class at both basketball and netball. It's just come back to the sports. Uh, Lorna Brown making a comeback. And a few a few other players, both experienced and new. Yeah, interesting mix. Yeah, exciting start to the season. It's going to be a cracking uh, championship, I'm sure. Um, and, well, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, yeah, Men's Div 1 uh, gets underway tonight. Yeah, so we've got another new team. Uh, this is actually probably an even newer team in the sense that it's not replacing a previous team they've just come in so we've got uh v1 pistons who sort of add a fourth contender to what has traditionally been a free horse title race in the men's division one yeah so they've got their first test against uh edmonton electrical charges tonight and yeah it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds yep good stuff you can read about that in the press later on this week um 
Right elsewhere, Jamie, on Saturday we had our Pride of Guernsey Awards, which was where I was in the evening and, and for a bit of the afternoon as well. A um, couple of sporting um, uh, bits of recognition to, to note there. Um, the Sports Volunteer of the Year category, sponsored by Shaw, um, was won by the Island Games mm. Organising Committee, who accepted that award on behalf of, well, the more than 1,300 um, volunteers and uh, and everyone else who made that Island Games week so special. So that's uh, richly deserved recognition for all of them. And also um, the Overcoming Adversity category sponsored by JT went to Jack Isabel, former Island footballer, of course, um, played for GFC uh, and the Guernsey rep side before and Rangers. We spoke to him on the football podcast actually a little while ago. He's um, been dealing with a, a blood cancer diagnosis in the last couple of years and, and dealing with it with um, yeah great positivity and energy. And um, yeah, he completed a, a fantastic cycle ride in the summer. Um, with some of his family and friends um, doing Land's End to John O'Groats and um, yeah uh, very very well deserved recognition for him as well so congratulations um, well to all of the winners at the Pride of Guernsey Awards but particularly those um, sporting successes before I got to St Pierre Park for the awards night I did manage to pop in and see a bit of rugby at Footslane um, a really good win for Guernsey Raiders against Worthing Raiders the Battle of the Raiders of course we spoke about rugby on last week's pod following the uh, very sudden demise of Jersey Reds and it was a uh, very interesting uh, late Later on in the week to see that um, Guernsey Raiders had signed um, one of the Reds' former players in Dan Barnes, who uh, was straight into training on Thursday night and then straight into the starting 15 um, for that game on Saturday. And in fact, he got the first try of the afternoon as well. So um, yeah, an instant impact from him. And yeah, great to see um, Raiders reaching out to offer him as he put it a rugby lifeline um, last week. And um, yeah, he's uh, due to be uh, around the club um, for the time being. So it'll be uh, really interesting to see how he gets on and what impact he can have over the next few games. Well, as I say, it was a big win for Raiders against Worthing. And their director of rugby, Jordan Reynolds, spoke to Gareth at full time. Assessment of the performance? Ah, good. Uh, you know, obviously, second coming out of the second half, it got a little bit tense there. Um, I think it's hard when you're up at 28 points coming out. I don't want to make excuses, but, I, you know, coming out the first half, getting the buzz, you know, to, to get into the game, coming out in the second half, thinking the game's probably done. Um, been intense. What I did like to see is we hold them out at the end there. They didn't get the bonus point. So it showed the effort came back into the game for us. Um, Attack-wise, a little bit clunky in some parts. And then some of our attack was probably the best we've seen so far this season. So it's a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde there. But overall, really good. We said we were going to attack their set piece. And I think that was, again, the difference today. Yeah. Um, I mean, you also said beforehand you'd be sort of looking very intensely on defence and the defensive line. And actually, for the first 10 minutes or so, they had quite a lot of the ball, but to keep them out in that period must have been pleasing as well. Yeah, like, uh, definitely. And, you know, you look at that first five minutes where we put in a huge shift, then we had that middle part in there, we put on some big shifts on this 40, and then holding them out down there. You know, that takes energy. The easy thing would be if they score, game's over, it's done. The mental attitude for the boys at the moment, and we're constantly talking about this, 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 this small change that we're going through at the moment, is they wanted to hold them out. We gave a bonus point away for to Wimbledon. They wanted to hold them out, and and, that, and that's so encouraging from a coach. Would have been so disappointing to give them that point, and you never know. That point might be the biggest difference at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, it's probably almost inevitable that Dan Barnes would score today, but the fact he saw the opening try was probably even more inevitable. He's uh, he's an okay player. <laughs> um, yeah, first touch under, but. I think what people don't really realise is the little small things that he's doing on the park. Like there was a, a, a good stop over on this corner where he, he put the shot on where we had a, they had a man over, gets the turnover and that puts us back into momentum shift. So, you know, he's a hell of a player um, and we're, we're thankful we got him. <laughs> Um, but he's got pretty good other centre as well. Eh? I mean, Kieran's in great form this season. He's had another stonking game again. Yeah, we don't want to jinx it. <laughs> um, but 
he was he was excellent last week. He was excellent this week. Excellent the week before that. Excellent the week before that. You know, he's just hitting his straps at the moment. And like the, one of the conversations me and him have had over the, the last couple of years is, is, is trying to allow him to enjoy his rugby. And you know, if you look at other teams, they play structured rugby, do this, do that. And our philosophy is here's the shape and play within it. You know, make the decisions. And you know, I think Kieran's just he's just developing week in and week out in, in, in that environment, which is great to see. Um, the fact that you've got that break coming up after Dorking, does that, I mean, Dorking are going really well, does that give you sort of like a confidence to go there and put everything out on the park there? Yeah, and we're going to have to play a lot better than we did today uh, to compete against Dorking. You know, you look at Dorking's team sheet, they've got a, a Saracen starter at 13 for them this year, and that's, this is a club with no money. So it's, it's always going to be really difficult, but being off the back of the uh, the last two wins, it's, it's almost like that shot of shot in the dark against them and say, look, We've gone against some of the best teams in the league at the moment. We're picking up bonus points and going close. And Dorking's that, it's that shot for us. It's an opportunity to keep building. And we know we've got two weeks after that, so everyone can have a good rest period. Jordan Reynolds speaking to Gareth there. Uh, a great win for them. In fact, they've got a big game uh, before a couple of weeks off this weekend. Um, Guernsey going to top of the table, Dorking. Um, so that is going to be a, a very, very big test for them. So uh, yeah, all the best um, to the Raiders for that one. Uh, before we move on from the weekend action, Jamie, quick look at what was going on at Petty Bow uh, because it was the uh, the annual hill climb there. Uh, an event you said is normally characterised by dismal weather, um, but actually had pretty good conditions. I think for years on end, that was an event which was just getting cancelled or cut short due to having pouring rain the entire duration. So it's yeah quite nice to see it not only go ahead, but have very, very welcoming conditions of yeah bright sunshine all day, um, which obviously made for some fast and furious racing. And that was almost a double-edged sword for the eventual winner. Um, Tim Tarota, he's a veteran of a hill, holds a record. He came within a hundredth of his own hill record. Still had quite a few runs to go. So a couple of runs later, he's on track to beat it and he goes and crashes, unfortunately. Um, he was completely fine, thankfully, but his car was in a bit of a state. So that's him done for the season. Yeah, Tim held on to take the win. Despite uh, Scott Rayson, who's kind of was who was kind of his main contender, having having a few more runs to take a shot at his time, Tim Stillema is quite a convincing winner. But then we had uh, people throughout the classes. Really, we had due to the lovely conditions, no doubt, and yeah, a landslide of records. I think we had eight different class records set, which yeah, <laughs> is always a positive. Pretty good showing, yeah. Well done to all involved. Um, right, that's it for part one. Coming up next, we'll hear from Sam Culverwell. Welcome back. Our thanks as ever to Upgrade Fitness for their support of the show. Um, now, I mean, we've spoken about Sam Culver or Jamie quite a lot on this podcast, <laughs> of course. Um, one of our uh, leading sports people, um, a star at the Island Games this summer, um, but someone who has, as we've mentioned before, <laughs> has suffered his fair share of bad luck over yeah. the years. I mean, the season started um, uh, about as badly as it could have done with the news that his team that he just signed for um, collapsed basically overnight um, leaving him without a team um, to race for this summer but he um, yeah he picked himself up dusted himself off um, came back did really well at the Island Games uh, and he's finished the season incredibly strongly as well qualifying for the World Gravel Championships which he competed at at the weekend um, and just last week as well um, he was announced uh, as the new signing of St. Piran who are a UCI continental team um, so potentially really good news for Sam there um, getting back to the kind of racing that uh, he wants to be out to uh, to show exactly what he can do and um, to talk about both of those and look back on the season as a whole he joined us here at the Guernsey Press a little earlier on 
Sam, welcome back to the pod. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Straight off the uh, off the boat or the plane um, from the World Championships, more or less, uh, where you were competing in um, yeah the World Gravel Championships. Um, obviously, a really big deal for you. Just tell us about that that experience and and what it was like. Oh yeah, it was incredible. It was um, the best way I could possibly finish off my season. Really, it's the first time I've ever represented GB and you know worn that GB skin suit. So it was it was really special to do that, and it was it was such a cool race as well gravel's gravel's really fun obviously it's like really serious you want to do the best you can it's a world championships and everything but gravel racing compared to road racing it is it is really enjoyable as well um with the terrain and the course was really cool and you know the crowds on some of the climbs were really spectacular so it was, a, it was just a really good event yeah and that came off the back of finishing on the podium at the british gravel champs um was that a result that that surprised you I'd say yes and no. I mean, I knew I knew going into it like a win would be really hard, and I mean I didn't win because someone like Connor Swift and the guy who won Joe Blackmore are, are really strong guys. But I would, I going into the race, I would have liked a podium, and so to finish third, I would, I would say for sure that's the that's the best result I could have got on the day. The two guys in front of me were a league above, but I was really happy to finish third and kind of do the best I thought I, I could have done. Yeah, awesome. And what is gravel racing? People don't know because um, there seems to be a lot of different disciplines on the go in cycling at the moment. There's sort of new stuff all the time. And um, but it, yeah, it seems like a discipline that a lot of big names are, are putting effort into as well. So um, it's clearly got a real place in in the sport. I mean, what's it all about, and and, and why does it suit you? Well, gravel is kind of the newest uh, discipline in cycling. Really, it's, it's it took off first in the US. They have loads of big gravel races there, and they. Yeah, US gravel is a bit different to European gravel in that some of their races, like most famously, is, is called Unbound, which is in Kansas. And it's a 200-mile, 320k gravel race, which is insane. <laughs> it's just so long. It's something, it's like a bucket list race, really. Like, you'd want to do it at some point. It would just write you off for a couple of weeks, probably. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, and then it's moved more into Europe. And um, with the UCI World Series kind of starting up last year and the first UCI World Champs, and then this year, I think, feel like it's, stepped up another level again there's loads more UCI World Series rounds all across Europe um and it's it's grown into a really big area of the sport I mean for bike manufacturers like it's another bike that they can make and sell and it's grown into a yeah just a huge area of the sport and it's it combines it's so generally the races are probably three to five hours long in Europe I mean the World Series ones I've been doing are kind of three to four um, my gravel world champs of the weekend was longer, but that was kind of like as big as it was going to get. So that was like five hours, five hours, 20 time-wise, um, 170K. Um, and the bike is generally, it looks like a standard road bike. Uh, so with your drop panel bars and such like, but just with wider tires, with different treads, different tread pads. So it's almost like a cyclocross bike where it's basically a cyclocross bike, but with wider tires on. And what, yeah, um, in terms of the, I mean, the, the, it sounds a stupid question, but is it all on gravel or does it take you on some slightly different terrain as well? Um, so it is mainly gravel, as you as you would expect. But for example, the race of the weekend, World Champs had 40, 40k's worth of tarmac in it. You've got to have bits of tarmac to connect the gravel sectors and all that. You've also got, I did one in Belgium, which had some wooded sections. So when you're going in between the trees and that made it feel a bit more mountain bikey, like with the roots and stuff like that but they never make it technical as in like really technical rough descents because you don't have suspension on the bikes you don't have big knobby tires like on a mountain bike so you'd kind of they make it a bit less severe than mountain biking and and generally stick to like wide gravel tracks but um 
they take you up some pretty pretty hard climbs in there as well to make it spicy. <laughs> and how, how does it compare in terms of yeah, if you're doing five hours and gravel versus uh, you know doing a, a sort of one day road race? I mean, it will, it, it, is it taking more out of you? I'd say. I mean, I haven't done many of those like big five hour road races this year. Um, in the part in the past, I haven't. I'd say the demands are pretty much the same. I mean, I finished the World Champs the weekend completely empty, just you know cramping all over. Um, with the heat as well, it made it really hard to get enough water in. I had my parents there, fortunately, who were driving around all the feed zones in a hire car trying to get me bottles when, <laughs> when they could. But it was hard for them to get to get to all of them in, in time with road closures and everything for, for the race. for them. Yeah, it's just as stressful for them as it is for me, really. So um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get water to go around. So if you've got a big team there and several people helping you, several vehicles, it does make it a lot easier. But um, yeah, we did a really good job and... Uh, yeah, the demands are. Pre- I'd say the demands are pretty similar to some road races, where generally it's pretty hard all day. Tactics aren't involved quite so much. Where generally a bunch will form, and when the race goes hard and splits, from then on it is just it's just full gas. Whereas in a road race, you can have anything from hard all day to oh today's a sprint day. We're gonna roll around for four hours and then mad dash at the end for all the lead outs. You know for your sprinter to go for the win and it can actually be quite an easy day on the bike if that makes sense mm. but gravel generally is pretty all out all race and obviously as you said at the start um you did it representing gb with a, a gb vest on um how much did, sort of support do you get from british cycling in, in that weekend i mean it, did you feel like sort of part of a, of a british team well it would sound quite surprising but almost no really so british cycling um so they selected the athletes who wanted to go to GB but you had to you had to apply to ride for GB based off I qualified for by doing the gravel world series race in Scotland um if you finish in the top 25 percent of a world series race you qualify for the age group world champs which is you're going to get a pretty huge number of people in that race but of course the race I wanted to do was the elite one um so to do that you had to qualify and then apply to GB which I did and they selected me which is really good but that for gravel, that's kind of where the support stops, which is a real shame. So you go there to ride for GB, but you even have to pay for your skin suit. You have to pay for the GB kit you're going to be wearing to represent them. And then they don't give you any other support in terms of that. And you see quite a contrast with some other nations. Like there was like generally, generally cycling is you have your trade teams and they have like the big buses for the world tour teams. But there was a lot of italian vehicles there as you can as you can imagine the race being in italy but like an italian team bus and stuff like that for the riders other nations seem to have quite a lot more support but also where you had some of the top riders there for example wap and art of yumbo visma he had the world he had the world tour teams bus there mechanics truck mechanics swanyers team car sort of thing connor swift who was for ineos he had i was pretty sure i saw an ineos team car there so even though they're riding for their nation their their own trade team is really helping them out and it's the same on the women's side the day before you saw a lot of like the women's trade team vehicles there instead of the nation's the national team's vehicles yeah okay interesting so i mean yeah it's obviously it's quite a sort of complicated picture cycling mm, in yeah. terms of kind of who, who you represent and what you're doing it is it is a shame because british cycling generally put a lot of their budget into track cycling where they get a big medal haul at the olympics and gravel's not part of the olympics there's no olympic pathway um like in other disciplines so i I assume that's why when it comes to cyclocross as well 
I mean, I've heard. But it's like crossing gravel, you don't generally get as much support. You basically just have to buy the kit. You, you get the selection to ride for them, um, which you have to earn. But then after that's where the support stops and you have to you have to go with your own support crew like I went with my parents. Yeah. Oh, still pretty special, I'm sure, to, oh, put, course, to put on yeah. that vest. And to yeah. be in that field, as you say, with, with some of the best in the world, how, how um, pleased are you with the, the performance and the result of the day? Uh, I'm kind of... Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it was it was an awesome experience. Like, it was it was so cool to be there. And where I'd done well in a couple of the other gravel races this year, I got a fair few UCI points. So I actually had a really good start place. Um, so out of 200 odd people on starting, I was number 22 somehow. I don't even, don't even know how they worked that out, but I was <laughs> 22 on the grid. And what that meant was I actually ended up being on the second row. So I was right on Wout Van Aert's wheel, one of the best riders in, in the world off the start line up the first climb and I, I was like lined up behind him and it's it's, it's pretty it's really cool I mean, it, was, it was the same situation as i did one of the um i did a world series race in belgium and him and i both got the priority box with like 10 guys at the front i'm just lined up on the start line with him and it's it's it's, pr it's pretty surreal really stood there with him and how long were you able to hold on <laughs> Not long enough, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but no, these guys are like you. What you watch them on telling, you aspire to one day race for races they're they're doing, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're there at World Champs, and he's running for Belgium, and you've got other people like the guy who won running for Slovenia. He's one of the top classics riders in the world. He's won some of the biggest races, and it's really cool to be uh, lined up with them. Do you watch how they operate? I mean, uh, do you take anything from seeing them in the flesh and and being, as you say, right on their wheel? Um, I mean, they're always a good wheel to follow because, you know, they're they're so experienced. They're not going to miss the moves. They're always going to be up there. So if you can actually fight for position to be on their wheel, they're going to guide you through pretty well. But unfortunately, everyone else got the same idea because if, if they move, everyone else follows them because they're the main guys. So, yeah, you try, you try your best to, to stay with them and follow them and they guide you through pretty well. But it was, um yeah, it's certainly cool to be on the start line with people like that. Yeah, and what a way to finish the year because it has been uh, an eventful up and down year as ever for you, Sam. <laughs> There's always something going on, isn't there? Um, yeah, you know, I, mean, I mean, I wish I wish it wasn't so eventful <laughs> yeah. sometimes. But yeah, I mean, quite a lot of highs and lows. I mean, this was definitely one of the big highs of the year. Yeah, it was really special to ride for GB at the Gravel World Champs. I mean, that's a huge high for me as well as um, the other gravel race this year I did in Scotland and National Gravel Champs was really good. And Island Games is a, another huge high, I'd say. Um, after the folding of 885 this year, I mean, I'm lucky to have got many races in at all. And the reason I have done is from the amazing support I've had from Guernsey. So I became a Ravenscroft Sport Ambassador this year and they've been fantastic in giving me the support I needed to go do the races. I've also had support from Ian Browns, who I've you know, supported me for years now, um, down at the shop and also Guernsey Trade Windows have helped me out as well. So a big thank you to all those people who without them, none of it none of this racing would have happened. I wouldn't have even made it to a Gravel World Champs. So big thank you to all of them really. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, as you say, from such a difficult start to the season when it kind of everything just fell away, um, to get through to, to to produce at the island games that was obviously just kind of uh an incredibly special week for everyone involved and um yeah to sort of produce the goods in there that you know that was amazing and then to kind of finish the season so well um there was news last week as well um uh, of you signing for saint Pirin, um which came at an interesting time because there's not many there's not any more races this, uh, this season um but does that give you a bit of confidence that things are, are, are lined up in a, a more positive way for next year yeah i think so i mean the sign for saint Pirin, it, lo it looks 
a little bit odd when they announced it and there's no more races this year, but it's more uh, they've signed me for, ne for next year. They've got a really good calendar. It's my ideal calendar, really. It suits me very well going forward and for me looking to make that step up next year. Um, up into the higher ranks of cycling. I'm, I mean, it's the perfect calendar to do so. And St. Perrin have shown this year they've got some really good results in some big races, which will only help them get more invites to better races, more funding, more opportunities. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to next year. And the team owner's shown quite a lot of faith in me. I mean, with some of the quotes from a press release that they said and some of the conversations I've had on the phone with him, he seems quite invested. So I'm really looking forward to next year with the team. That's really good to hear. And obviously it, with that, kind of yeah those world champs and, and that news coming at the end of the season that must be fantastic motivation for you to to kind of yeah to put all your energy in over the winter and, and make sure you arrive at the, the first start line next year in good shape oh 100 yeah i mean i've just come off a uh, world champs now when i'm having a bit of a break off the bike as you always do every year just need a bit of a mental and physical reset but i've already got one eye on next season i'm really looking forward to again getting training again in a few weeks time and i've got like my winter training i'm starting to plan all that so uh build up to probably the first race I imagine will be in March and uh, looking forward to uh, in 2024 in good form and seeing where it takes me. Yeah, you've given us a flavour of what it's like uh, kind of off the bike in, in, in sort of the world of professional cycling. It's quite complicated. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. How difficult is it for you to, uh, as a sportsman, to both you've got to focus on making sure you're in the tip-top condition physically, but then you've, you've, you're basically, you're kind of sort of solely responsible for, for your own kind of way forward and way through um, the calendar, you know, off the bike as well. It must be a really hard thing to juggle. Yeah, it is really tough. I mean, cycling, cycling in the UK is not in a, in a great place at the moment, which is, which is really odd given the amount of young riders who've gone world tour, the amount of British riders who are in the top level of the sport now world tour and in the world tour development teams as well is huge. I don't think there's ever been this many people, this many British riders at that level yet on a continental level, the scene, the scene is struggling. You've got obviously my team folded this year, a ribble cycling folded the year before. And if you go back a few more years, there used to be sick, sick Conti teams, all the riders well-paid and it just doesn't happen now. You've got two Conti teams left and they are, they're, both teams are really good setups. They provide really good opportunities, but I think in general, the whole cycling scene is struggling. I was chatting to a French rider at World Champs on the weekend and he said that is a similar thing in the French sort of, the French have got not that many Conti teams, but a very big amateur scene. And that's because their Conti teams are struggling where they have to pay the riders. Whereas the amateur scene is, has got, the amateur scene's got quite a lot of interest where there doesn't need to be as much money in it. And even the, the biggest world, some of the biggest world tour teams, the other day there was a lot of talk about a potential merger between two teams because even though one team is the best team I'd say in the world, one of their sponsors, their main sponsor pulled out and they're struggling to get another long-term sponsor. They now have, but there was a period of uncertainty there. And it makes you think if the best team in the world is struggling to get a sponsor, then what hope do a lot of other people have? Yeah, it's difficult to, uh, yeah, difficult difficult to kind of predict, I guess, yeah. um, exactly what's going to happen. I mean, for you, yeah, what what is the next uh, kind of thing that's sort of top of your mind in terms of, of where you want to go and what you want to do? Well, for me, I want um, I want a really positive winter, as, as I mean, everyone does. I want to have a really good uh, block in the winter, get ready for next year, um, come to season in really good form and try and get some early results as soon as possible. I really want to, I really want that step up next year. I've had, a, I've had my fair share of 
interrupted years with either a team folding or a couple of COVID years and maybe I've had um, a year where I didn't have that many opportunities to ride for myself. Whereas next year, I want to be able to see take those opportunities and maybe most of them. And for me, next year is the year I, I really want to step up to pro conti level or higher and and make it as it were I really want to take that next step and get into those bigger races and make more of a career out of it yeah what what have you got to do to to make that jump is it is it just kind of take it's, your opportunity when it arrives yeah it's generally just results based which is i mean it's easier said than done but i mean reverse st Pierre next year they get into some really good really good level races and a result in there and even a strong showing in there even if you don't necessarily win it can impress in front of potential world tour teams who are at the race who might then sign you so that's really that's really important so that's that's my goal for next year really is i need to need to turn a lot of good rides i have a lot of good rides and i feel i feel i've got the physical capabilities to be at that level but it's one thing it's one thing kind of being good enough but it's another thing actually actually doing it and coming across the line first, as it were. Um, but yeah, cycling's pretty hard and you don't win a lot of races often unless you're a select, a select few in the world, really, who seem to win them all. But <laughs> yeah. Well, you had a couple of good wins at the Island Games, we said. Oh, um, yeah, it, I mean, is that as special as it gets in terms of a, a Guernsey vest? Yeah, it's definitely, in terms of like results, it's definitely up there with one of my best, if not the best result, that road race win. Like the crit, the crit win was was really special to win solo and in that manner. But I think the road race, the road race tops that in that the road race was the the race I wanted the most at the Island Games, and I've wanted to win the road race since Gibraltar f- four years ago. I have I've had my eye on that and wanted to do it on home soil. And with everything that seems to seems to go wrong in some other races, or you may have bad legs in one or a puncture in the other, for everything all week to just go perfectly for me was really, really special. Couldn't have asked for it. It couldn't have gone any better for me that week. And um, yeah, Iron Games was truly very special. Yeah, it's going to live long in the memory. Uh, just finally, I mean, I know you've, you've obviously, um, you're still spending a bit of time in Guernsey and um, uh, you occasionally pop up, but you have occasionally popped up in the local races. Um, uh, how closely sort of tracking the progress of the other riders locally, it, it, you know, as you say, sort of internationally cycling's in a maybe a, an uncertain place but locally it seems like there's there's so much going on i mean locally the cycling seems fantastic i mean you could see how we did at the island games this year that the the standard of racing is is very very high from such a small island i think what's also really exciting is we've got uh we've got some good young riders coming through as well so for example we had jake hendy cook who uh raced at the youth commonwealth games this year and i'm sure he's got his eyes on island games in two years time um you've also got Jack, Jack Reed, Josh Saunders, who, um, Josh Saunders, I think he's got his eye on the next Island Games. And Jack Reed, as we know, has been racing in France. And despite um, getting an Epstein-Barr virus recently, um, he's back on his bike now, as far as I'm aware. And um, yeah, he's he's one of those who's a really hard worker and um, I think he'll go really fast. So uh, I'm looking forward to see what he does next year in France. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I'm sure lots of longer hours on the bike over the winter. Yeah, definitely, um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for coming in for a chat and um, yeah, best of luck with it all. We'll catch you soon. Thank you very much for having me. Sam Colwell speaking to me there. Uh, yeah, really good to see uh, Sam uh, doing well and finishing strongly this season. Um, so yeah, great stuff. Uh, let's have a very quick look at what's going on over the next few days and into the weekend, Jamie. Um, you got a trip to Herm lined up? Um, yes, and for good reason. I'm going <laughs> over to see the Herm dot. 
um, darts open, which always seems to produce some cracking competition. Though we've got a lot of Guernsey's top players going against visitors from England, Jersey, Alderney, various different honours up for grabs. It always seems to produce some quite heated competition. And yeah, I don't want to go and predict a winner at this point. It looks like it's, it's wide open, basically. Yeah, always one of the highlights of the, the local darts calendar. Look forward to seeing your coverage before and after, Jamie. So watch out for that. Um, in the press, um, there's a big interinsula at Longcamp. Um, the paddle interinsula returns to Guernsey. Um, the third edition of that competition, the Corkera Cup. Um, yeah, we'll see uh, Guernsey uh, doing battle with Jersey in Men's and Ladies Open and Men's and Ladies Vets. So, uh, yeah, really busy weekend there. Ollie Cull and Patrick Ozier at the top pair um, in the Men's Open. Lauren Barker and Lauren Watson-Steele um, leading the way in the women's. So that's going to be a fantastic couple of days. I'll be popping in there. So look out for some coverage. Uh, well, on our social media channels at GSY Press Sport, we'll have a bit of video up there and I'm um, sure we'll be talking about that on the podcast next week. I guess we should mention the Guernsey Under-19 Panthers having their first home game of the season. They've been quite unfortunate having two games postponed, then sort of being thrown straight in for deep end against arguably the strongest team in the league. Uh, so that was a tough way to get the season underway, but they seem to be going against quite balanced opposition. We've actually faced a few times throughout the age groups. Uh, their team's name is Clan and yeah it'll be interesting to see how they get on so that's Bose your at two o'clock on Sunday on Sunday yeah. great stuff busy weekend uh, lots to uh, get out and about and see um, uh, which is what we'll be doing here at the Guernsey Press uh, of course for the very uh, best local sports coverage um, do make sure you're picking up a paper six days a week we'll have more on all of those uh, and reaction after the weekend as well we'll be back next week with another Guernsey Press sports podcast um, so stay tuned for that but for now cheers Jamie we'll see you soon cheers Tony